You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This is a Danger Entertainment podcast. DangerEntertainment.net. Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh. Jock and Nerd! Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. to another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3 minus 1 because Ken decided to go hang out with Ewoks for the week for vacation. <laughs> There's something about, hey, we got all this cool indoor collection stuff from Heroes and Villains and from the Heroes and Villains sponsored Loot Crate. Let's go check it out, see if they take me in as one of their own. Hopefully they don't take them in as one of their own barbecue dinners. Uh, but with me is Derek, and joining us from the Roku Depot Guild of the Smugglers Alliance is Steven. How's everyone doing? I'm doing good. All right. <laughs> Talkative as always, Kent. Derek. <laughs> if looks could kill, I'd be shot first. <laughs> Um, so check out the homepage real quick, uh, wikiradio.net. You can do that while you're listening to the show. I'm sure Steven does all the time when we bring it up. Check out our affiliates. Uh, check out our partners, Heroes and Villains, and Found Me. Uh, with those two, click the picture, click, click the images, takes you to their site. Use the code SMUGGLERS for 15% off your first purchase. They got some great stuff. I have... I have a cool lanyard that I got from them and a couple other keychains that I've bought. They're great. And I've also bought a Chewbacca found me for my for my backpack since I use it for work. Because I got that indoor indoor commando backpack, which I love. It's a great bag. The only problem with it, it's not waterproof. In Florida, rain. That's a problem. Um, also, too, check out our web store. The new link is coming up. Um, so we got some new hats that are word mark only no logo um i believe the mandalorian t-shirt or jerseys are and be up as well so some wookie radio themed mandalorian armor baseball jerseys there for you to grab um other than that follow us on social media at wookie radio at most locations all one word and i think that's it i think that's the fastest i've done that <laughs> so um Next week's going to be a fun week. It's a Smuggler's Roundtable with the Smuggler's Guild. Uh, why, you say? Because I'm going to Galaxy's Edge. Cash previews. And what a way for the rest of the crew to learn more about someone who's actually been there and get specific answers to questions they have answered right away and, and really feel the excitement. Uh, we even moved recording nights. That way it is like super fresh in my mind because I think next week I'll be coming on going, oh my God, uh, I'm still in shock. I haven't come off this high. We'll, we'll see. So next week's show is going to be full recap, personal experience, Galaxy's Edge. 
if there's time left over, we'll hit a couple other stories. But I don't think there's going to be time left over. So, um, but speaking of Galaxy's Edge, Disney has come out. It has come out that there was a drop in attendance by three percent. Which okay, you're, you're going oh three percent. Well, that that is quite a bit in the theme park world. But here's the funny thing: attendance is down, revenues up. Interesting how that works. Well, price of tickets have gone up. Mm. So that kind of helps counteract the the 3% loss, but some prices on other things have gone up and people are paying for it. They're still paying for the merch because you want that souvenir. Plus, there's a lot more stuff to buy now if Galaxy's Edge open. In California, yeah. yeah. Now, we've talked about it here. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Why is attendance lower in California? Well, Disneyland has always been considered a locals park. Majority of their attendance is local people. You know, basically California. Sort of like, uh, Stephen, you're in the Dallas area, correct? No, it's St. Louis area. St. Louis area. So, <laughs> okay, that's way off, but my... <laughs> My comment's still going to exist. You have Six Flags Mid-America, correct? Yeah. Primarily, that is a locals park. You have the St. Louis people and you have people from the surrounding area or areas within, you would say, what, maybe six hours away, five hours away that would come to it? Yeah, it stays pretty busy. So, But yeah, I could see where you're going with that, where it's mostly going to be people in the area go to the park most of the time. Yeah, that's like we have Six Flags New England, but it's the same thing. Correct. It's mostly local crowd. I mean, unless someone like me, who I love thrill rides, I do want to check out other theme parks. I may go to Mid-America because I've never been. I may go to New England because, one, I didn't know it existed, and it might be cool. Um, But, I mean, growing up as a kid, I had Six Flags over Texas. Uh, I had Geauga Lake and SeaWorld, which you've heard Ken and I talk about all the time as well, or Derek's heard us talk about pre-show. Um, I've been to uh, Six Flags Great Adventure. Uh, when we were in Williamsburg, I went to uh, Bush Gardens, the old country there in Williamsburg. Oh, yeah. Um, but you know, a lot of it, it's it's what's local. It's what's in the region. That's where you went. Uh, when I lived in upstate New York, Darien Lake was another one that I went to. If you didn't go to Six Flags, you went to Darien Lake. So um, California, Disneyland is kind of the same thing. It's more of a locals park, but you do get more people from the U.S. that go. They don't have a large international draw. Why? Because the world comes to Walt Disney World. All right. So Walt Disney World is that international draw. There's a lot of people who think Walt Disney World was the original park. Right, yeah. But if, if always, if you know, if I ever had a choice, I would always rather go to Disney World than Disneyland. Yeah. Well, it got to the point, Disney Disneyland had to take some elements of Disney World to add over there. I mean, they brought interventions in over there. Um, they... Oh, there was some other stuff. Oh, I can't remember now. I know Interventions was something they brought in from here and took over there uh, when they added it into part of their Tomorrowland. Um, but there's attractions there that you're not going to find here. I mean, we, I get people, I've had people ask me all the time, where's the Matterhorn? Uh, California. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where's the Indiana Jones ride? California. Which I wish we had it. I'd rather have that than this. Indiana Jones ride? There's an Indiana Jones ride in California. No kidding. No kidding. It's a great, from what I hear, it's a great ride. And you have like three different endings to it or, mm. or or the ride's never the same twice type thing uh i wish we had it here personally but uh out there their pixar sections all cars ours is toy story mm. um but with them having put a blackout on annual pass holders which makes up a good chunk of the attendance for disneyland mm. When that blackout went from the end of May through the end of August, come on, what's going to happen to your attendance? Right. It's going to drop. So that was like a three-month blackout? Three-month blackout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, right now, for, right now for me, I won't be able to use my main gate or what's called main gate, uh, which is how I could get people into the parks. Or I can't even self-admit myself through the front gate with my ID at Studios starting studios is disney speak for disney hollywood studios um i won't be able to do that starting from august 29th right now through the end of october i'm blacked out oh wow 
Now, I'm going to be able to use my comp tickets, which are available to use in times like this. And around Zoe's birthday party, we're going to take her to Galaxy's Edge in November with the comps if we're still blacked out. If we're not blacked out, then we're going straight in. We'll use our passes and go straight in. But right now, we're blacked out, and they're expecting us, everyone around here is expecting us to be blacked out for at least six months as cast members. No kidding. Because they're the crowds they were expecting to get for California, we will get here. Right. That's what I'm thinking. So you I would, I would think Disney World would get more crowd than Disneyland would. We will be crazy nuts like they were expecting when our Galaxy Edge opens. So it makes me almost think, was it a mistake to have California's open first before Walt Disney World? Well, California is going to be the smaller of the two. They're the exact same size. Like well, I mean, as far as a crowd goes, a crowd draw, yeah. if not as many people are going to go, you start out with that one. Yeah. Try and ease out as many mistakes as you can when you open up with the bigger of the two. Well, yeah, that's, well, that's I, true. I will tell you, though, uh, a lot of times, and, and I know there are people, I know there's people who listen to the show who who work out there. Or have worked out there. Um, but I, I, I know from some people, there's a lot of times Disney World does things better than Disneyland. When that it was always the assumption I had. Not to say Disneyland doesn't do things just as good, but I think something like that. I mean, I've looked at pictures. There are subtle differences between our outpost and California's outpost. Subtle, which is fine. I don't care. This is where I almost think maybe there should have been two different names for the outpost, but still the same planet. Is Disneyland smaller in general? Yes. You could put Disneyland, I think, two or three times inside of Epcot. Oh, wow. At least, I know you could put it in at least twice at Animal Kingdom. But Animal Kingdom's got the safari. You could put Disneyland, you could place Disneyland with no, and still have space left over in the parking area for Magic Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're bigger, we're bigger than California. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Now, res- total resort-wise, we're 44 square, we're over 44 square miles of space. Mm. California is landlocked. We still could develop, we could still buy and develop land around us still. Mm-hmm. So um, now, of course, the parks do tend to be the revenue that tends to drive a good chunk of the resorts or of everything else within the company. Because um, I know for a while it was said that the parks is what's bailing out ESPN, <laughs> which when we bought Fox, it's like, can we get rid of ESPN and keep the Fox stuff? <laughs> Um, but prior to show, I, Stephen had asked, did we hear about the, the earnings call from with Bob Iger? And I didn't actually listen to it, but I do have some quotes from it. Uh, it was helped in part by some of our efforts. There was tremendous, tremendous concern in the marketplace that was going on to be huge crowding when we opened Galaxy's Edge. Some people stayed away just because they expect, expected it, expected that it would not be a great experience. Mm. So let's touch on that first. What are y'all's thoughts and opinions on that quote? That actually does make a little sense, a bit of sense. There probably were some people that said, you know, I'm not going right away. I'm going to wait till the crowds die down. Yeah, I know personally, if I was planning a trip, I would have waited because of some of the horror stories I heard about Avatar Land and the lines that thing had when it opened. Yeah. Well, obviously, we we fixed a lot of those problems. Look at how they did the reservations and the virtual queuing and everything. Could have really fixed it by getting rid of our Avatar Land. Hey, I've been saying I've been saying at work that within five years, Avatar Land is going to be called Fallujah. It'll be Star Wars themed. It'll be Fallujah. Hey, just wait. Those Avatar movies will start dropping again. We'll have all kinds of new fans. <laughs> yeah. I think if the first one doesn't do anything, the rest are canceled now that Disney's in yeah, charge. If, if their first sequel bombs, that's that's going to be bad. How much how much pocket money does Cameron got? <laughs> Well, he was already behind on putting together Avatar Land. I think we only did that because we didn't want to lose 
another franchise like we had because originally Disney had the opportunity for Harry Potter World, Wizarding World. Oh, really? Yeah. And we we were from what I've heard, Disney was agreeing to the majority of her demands. And that's what Mm. they were. They were demands, not suggestions, not recommendations, not wishes. It was this is what it is. And that's it. There were a few things that Disney and her did not agree on. She said, fine, I'm gone. Mm. And believe it or not, it was not about characters. Really? That that was an issue. Disney was willing to give in, okay, no characters. None of your main cast as, as meet and greet characters. That's not a problem. A lot of it was coverage for rain and shop size. Really? Yeah. Oh, her shop sizes are, sh- they're, they're small. Hmm. They're small. Yeah. Which is, eh. Now, I've done Pandora. I've done Wizarding World. I've gone in. I don't... F- I feel like I'm visiting, but I don't feel like I'm a part of, if that makes right. sense. there It doesn't seem like there's backstories. It doesn't seem like there's people talk it's to you. Fully immersive. Yeah. Not like I'm hearing Galaxy Edges. Mm. So um, I think the other thing, too, is when Disney said for California that there was going to be the pass holder blackout. I think that deterred a lot of people as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if they uh, now they have supposedly they have lifted the cast blackout out there. Cool. Lift your pass holder blackout. Just go ahead and do that. I think that would have been okay. I'm really surprised they did that. I am too. Um, now to continue on, now it, it's implied other forces played a role as well. Disney hiked the cost of a one-day ticket substantially compared to a year ago. Uh, Iger said local hotels anticipating a rush of visitors also raised their room rates, pricing mm-hmm. some people out of staying in the area. Mm-hmm. So we we know that. Um, now on top of that. The company has opened the pavilion, I'll call it a pavilion, uh, with one ride, that's the Smuggler's Run. Yes, that is our training test for people to get your full-on Smuggler's License. I think I had to take it 10 times before I got mine. I don't know about you guys. (laughs) Um, Fans could be postponing their visits until the second ride, Star Wars Rise the resistance opens now for california it's not opening until january oh really in florida it's opening in either november or december everything i've been reading and hearing has been november but i've heard a couple people at work say december mm. so what have you heard steven through stuff you're reading oh when they're gonna open rise of resistance yeah oh i i've I thought I heard December from people, but I, I haven't really been paying close attention to what the exact dates were. I thought they actually came out with exact dates, didn't they? I thought they did. I thought it was November 16th. Well, but I could I could definitely see people holding out on planning a visit until both rides are open. I mean, unless you live nearby. I mean, if you're going to only make one trip, may as well right. make it count. Right. Get the right. Most out of it. Now, we're all hoping we get cast previews of that ride before it opens. It should be fun, too. Um We'll have to see. Now, people also have held off visiting Walt Disney World until Galaxy Edge opens later this month. Um, Now, competitors, including Universal Studios and Florida, have dropped their prices, trying to lure consumers away from the theme parks. But with the announcement that Universal just made last week, I see those prices going right back up. Because last week, Universal announced, oh, we're going to do crap. What's the name of it? Something universe. Epic universe. Oh, yeah. Seven. And, and some people are going based on the concept drawings that there'll be a Star Trek land, a Battlestar Galactical land, Mario World, Monster <laughs> Land. I think we talked about this last week on Weeby Geeks. Yeah. You know, the, the whole resort at the end of it, instead of a castle, be actual resort that you sleep in, yada, yada, yada. Now, of course, they went with Epic Epic Universe because Universe is bigger than World. <laughs> okay, but whatever floats your boat. Um, now, I know SeaWorld, I do not believe, has dropped their prices here. And I, actually, I haven't heard of anyone dropping their prices. So I don't know where these guys, where this market insider is getting their figures from. But hey, I'm in entertainment. I'm not in the other stuff. So I just hear when we raise our prices and, okay, cool, that's it. When when I first moved here and my wife and I came here on our honeymoon, ticket prices for the parks were $39 for a one-day, one-park ticket. Wow. And now they're over $100 for a one-day, one-park ticket. Mm. 
20 years from now. <laughs> yeah. They're not going down. <laughs> oh, no. No. Five, ten year, or five years from now, I would say probably you're looking at about a $115, $120 ticket for a one day, one park. So um, now Iger is saying all those factors contribute to the attendance that was below what we would have hoped it would be. Coupled with higher costs tied to the Galaxy's Edge, the upshot was a decline in operating income from domestic parks and resorts. Um, the drop in domestic park attendance was driven by fewer visits from annual pass holders. Well, duh, if you're blacked out, <laughs> just saying, uh, average, but average spending per guest jumped 10%. And this is reflecting the steeper ticket prices and higher food and beverage and merchandise sales. Uh, the occupancy rates at Disney's domestic hotels also climbed from 86 to 88% and spending per room rose 3%. So raise your prices, attendance drops, but everything else still goes up. Does not make business sense, but hey, apparently it's working. Sounds logical. <laughs> I mean, eventually everything's going to balance out. So, uh, I mean, just take a look at next year. I think next year, once you have both rides open, um, once all the blackouts are lifted, it, it's going to it's gonna it'll even back out again and go back in the plus on both ways. But when you have a 3% attendance drop, but you're going up 20 or 10% in revenue, well, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, it's an issue, but I don't think it'd be that bad. To me, it just seems a bit early to... Start complaining about park attendance when it's not even open to everybody yet, you know? Yeah, exactly. I would say, okay, so we're getting ready to hit, uh, I believe we just, we're in quarter four now for Disney. Because uh, our quarter, our, our fiscal year goes October to October through September. I would expect, let's see what quarter one's like, especially when you got the holiday push. See what quarter one's like uh, this next fiscal year. And I, uh, I actually found the official announcement. They said the Rise of Resistance ride in Hollywood Studios is going to be open uh, December 5th. So December we'll have 5th. all of December. It's going to be open pretty okay. much. So that could then be... Maybe it's opening to cast members November sixteenth. Could be the news we're hearing because they're going they're going to test it out on us before they open it to the guest. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> I rode test track before it was open to the guest. I'm like, oh, do I really want to be a test dummy here? <laughs> <laughs> so, but here, here's a, this was another interesting story. Um, so we got from San Diego Comic-Con all phase four that was listed 21, 20 with 20, 2020, 2021. That's all the stuff from movies and the shows coming to Disney plus, which, Hey, if you have Disney plus Hulu, if you, if you want Disney plus Hulu and ESPN plus, they're going to offer a bundle deal for 13 bucks a month. <laughs> which is like a savings of seven bucks a month. If you were to buy each one separate, that may, uh, may be worth it. Um, Star Wars has no movies lined up. Well, of course they don't. It was already discussed. The next Star Wars movie is 2022. That announcement was already made shortly after celebration. Now they didn't, they didn't make that announcement at celebration. Did they? Uh, I can't remember when that one came out. I don't remember that being a celebration announcement, though, that came out before or after, I think. I want to say it came out shortly after. I want to say it was like May or June, beginning of June when that came out. I know we talked about it here. 2022, 2024, 2026 is going to be the next Star Wars movies. And we've all said, that's great. Back in the old days, it would have been three years before, you know, two years in between films. So you had 77 and then the next film was 80. So you had two years of film. So you had that two and a half years, so to speak. Okay, so we get like a year and a half between films. That's fine. And it's already been speculated that those films were going to be the Benioff and Weiss films. Cool. I'm okay with that, too. Actually, I think that's been officially announced, hasn't it? No, they haven't no. tied up who's directing what on those dates they released yet. Nothing's. They said that Benioff and Weiss is next. We we know that one. Mm. We have no idea what's going on with Ryan Johnson's. So it could be one of those. 2022 is Benioff and Weiss. 2024 could be Ryan Johnson's. We don't know. All, all we know is Benioff and Weiss has a trilogy. Johnson's supposed to have a trilogy. But if you hear the other news, Johnson's not even involved anymore at all. I think it could just be Ryan Johnson's projects too early and they haven't given them dates yet. 
we can see them add more dates once his gets further along in production. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, Obviously, Disney cannot pull a Marvel Cinematic Universe and put out more than one Star Wars film within a year period. But I don't think that was the issue with Solo. I think the issue with Solo was they just picked the wrong time to try and do a summer. They should have done either late summer or early fall. And they should have the marketing marketing on that didn't happen till late. And, yeah. and as I was about to get to, and they didn't market it well. And people were still whining about The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Those people go whine. I don't care. Because mm. with, um, like, with Marvel movies, they'll market more than one of them at one time. It's not oh, like yeah. they're dedicating everything to one. But with Star Wars, they were trying to dedicate it to just one. They didn't want to talk about Solo until Last Jedi was out. See, and I thought, start talking about Solo, and see, I think th- that hurt it. There should have been a Solo trailer with The Last Jedi. Yeah, definitely. And we didn't get it until, I mean, I think we even joked about it. it it's, it's not even worth a Super Bowl if we don't get a Solo teaser. <laughs> I don't care about anything else commercial-wise. I just want a, I'll take a 15-second Solo teaser where you see Chewbacca, Solo, and then it says Solo, Star Wars story. Well, obviously, we got a bit more than that, but, you know, as Steven said, not enough marketing. Yeah, definitely not. I think if they push more with the marketing like they do with all the other films, it would have had better success for that weekend. Especially if they pulled, you know, started off with the line of Chewie and Han from Force Awakens. Chewie, we're home. And then they do the cheesy narrator from, like, the original trailer, coming back to where it belongs. (laughs) See where it all began. Solo, a Star Wars story. And then the next shot is Chewie and Han fighting in the pit. You know, the funny thing is, is with the marketing, they've been very hands off with like explaining anything with audiences. Like when Rogue One came out, there wasn't anything like, you know, telling people, hey, this is actually a prequel to A New Hope or anything. They were just throwing it out there with the trailer. Yeah. But, you know, Rogue One did did well, but they marketed it well. And it had a whole year to itself. Yeah. So um, at this point in time, after the release of Rise of Skywalker, um, J.J. Abrams will bring the sequel trilogy to a close, hopefully bringing that whole anthology to a close. Because I really don't want to see an episode 10, 11 or 12. No. <laughs> hey, we could get like the wills in that mac- ma- the macroscopic world that George Lucas was talking about. <laughs> You know what? Yeah. If you bring back Finn, Ray, Poe, and all that, cool. Let them have their own things. Don't call them episodic films. We're talking about the the Skywalker family, so to speak. I don't care if Ray is a Skywalker or not. The immediate thing needs to end with Episode Nine. I just don't want to see Episode Ten. Well, I'm pretty sure they've already determined that. I hope so. Now, if they do, will it be a little disappointing? Yeah. But if they could justify it, like I was originally disappointed. Oh, Vader uses his lightsaber in Rogue One. Really? They said there was going to be no lightsabers in the movie. Then you see that five-minute sequence. It's like, uh, okay, I was wrong. That was justified. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was. That one lightsaber is acceptable. Then, yeah, <laughs> I have no problems with that. Um so now the, the it was announced, though, to tide fans over until the next start of the trilogy that Benioff and Weiss will begin theirs in 2022, coming out in December, which Derek and I are old, old school enough. Our Star Wars films came out Memorial Weekend. Sure. Um, Steven, he, well, yours did, too, with with the you're with the prequel generation, correct? Well, I grew up in the VHS generation. I didn't get to see them in the theaters until it was the special editions. Okay, so, but the newest films, though, were the prequels to you. That's that's your generation, right? You're, I'll you're, be honest. I didn't pay attention to when, what months they came out until, like, I got really hardcore into Star Wars <laughs> fandom. Before then, I couldn't have told you what month they came out or that they all came out in a certain time of year. I, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> well, it, it, it sounds like you're from the prequel. You're the prequel era. And so they came out Memorial around Memorial Weekend. Well, they came out in May then as well. 
maybe not Memorial Weekend, but they came out in May. Mm -hmm. So we, so the three of us grew up, May was the release for the films. Start of the summer season. You knew summer was going to start when you saw Star Wars. How do you guys, now that we've had three films, three out of four come out in December, how do you guys feel about that? I actually like the December releases. I do too, yeah. It gives me something to look forward to around Christmas time when it comes to movies, because you're going to have Marvel movies in the summer. Yeah, right. Christmas time, you get Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I actually do. I like them in December. And, and that can help bring joy to a crappy year. Sure. <laughs> you can end the year right and start out the next one right, because you keep seeing it a couple more times. <laughs> I, there you go. I will say 2017, it was hard to go see Last Jedi. Not because of the movie itself, but that was the year my dad died, and I had seen every single Star Wars film with him prior to. Now, I'm not counting the special editions, but I have seen, I had seen, and I'm not counting the Clone Wars animated movie either, but I had seen all the films to that point, one through seven, and Rogue One with my dad in the theater. And the last two was great because it was my dad and my daughter. Yes, my mom and my wife were with me as well, but it was that three generations in a row dad son granddaughter seeing the film and the best part was for both of those the seating went my mom my dad me my daughter my wife so each time i was in between my dad and my daughter when we saw it so it was like so going to last jedi and not have him there was hard as i'm choking up about it now but solo was to see it in his his honor every time when we go now, he's there with us in spirit, and uh, I think he would really love Solo as well, because I think Solo was one of his favorite characters, and, and I thought that was a great film. Yeah, I liked Solo. So, now, um, aside from the saga coming to an end, okay, so yeah, we don't have movies coming out for two years, but we do have The Mandalorian. We will have the Rogue One spinoff, because that's supposed to come out in 2021, I do believe. Yep. We do have... Clone Wars final season all on Disney Plus. We will have second season Resistance. Oh yeah. Um I think there's enough there for 2 years to keep and I'm sure we'll have a third season of Resistance. There's going to be enough there to keep us going. You know? Yeah, I mean they're already working on a second season for The Mandalorian and I know Iger teased a third show. Really? Or potentially, what is this third show? The, that that there's zero information on it. Just that there's a, a third show that could pop up before uh, Benioff and Weiss's movie comes out. Well, of course, everyone's hoping it'll be the Obi-Wan or uh, rumors of Boba Fett have gone around. But I don't see them doing a Boba Fett when they have the Mandalorian. You know, I'd rather see Boba Fett show up in Mandalorian. I would love to see Sabine and Bo-Katan show up in Mandalorian. Can't see Boba Fett. He's dead. <laughs> you see his helmet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I want a Kenobi show either. No, no. I would totally be down for a limited series. Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan. I would totally go for that. Only, I, yeah. Only if only if they bring Bonnie Peace back as Aunt Beru. Nah, I don't. I wouldn't even put that stipulation on there. Just, you give me you and McGregor as Obi Wan, I'm in. <laughs> I I think we've talked about it here. I know it was not my idea. Uh, I can't remember if it was Ken's or yours, Derek. But a Tales from the Cantina show. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, just imagine seeing you and McGregor walk into the most isolated cantina. Yeah. There's your trailer right there. Boom. Everybody's going to watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we had a Kenobi show, but I would love a Tales from the Cantina show, like Tales from Skull Island, where you have one person and it goes in and out of, God, that was a great show. Sorry for that main actor who ended up, I think he's sitting in the 10 by 10 bars for a front door. Uh <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. The actor who played uh, the lead in Tales from Skull, or is it Tales from Skull, Gold, Golden Island, Golden Monkey. Oh. I've never heard of this show. Crap. <laughs> Are you making this up? No. <laughs> so, so this is a TV show about King Kong? No. <laughs> He's in Skull Island. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking this crap up now. Because <laughs> that's crap. The actor was Stephen Collins. Who, by that the way, who, by the way played uh, 
what's his name in um, Star Trek, the motion picture? Oh, sure. That narrows it down. <laughs> Give me a second. I'll find a red out. Shirt. <laughs> he was not a red shirt. But he dies, though. Tales, Tales of the Gold Monkey was the name of the show. Ran 82 to 83. Never saw it. He played Jack Cutter. Still tra- Star Trek, the motion picture, he played Decker. Oh, okay. And what's he in jail for? Child molesting. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm, 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 mm. So, uh... Just like uh, the guy from your favorite movie, uh, Howard the Duck. Who? The uh, What's his name? The guy who played the bad guy in Howard the Duck. From Ferris Bueller? Yep. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then. Oh, what fun there is to ride. Mm-hmm. Drop the soap, please. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they did something like a tells from tells of the gold monkey with like tells from the cantina type thing, where you pick one of these highlight a, a lesser bounty hunter or a lesser smuggler type thing. And the base of operations is the most Isley cantina, but they go see, back see and that, forth. You got Bowship teaming up with Zuckus. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. IG-88 walks in to grab his grab his head. It's being used <laughs> as a coffee maker. So um, now to continue on with the other series, apparently there is a new um, animated series coming out called Star Wars Rollout. Have y'all seen stuff about this? No, I have not. No, it, I haven't. Okay, well, maybe not. <laughs> Looking at the story, it has dropped as on the day that we are recording. So this is a brand new story. Uh, there's a teaser trailer for this, but apparently this is coming from StarWars.com, uh, the homepage of looks homepages. Like it, looks like it's just going to be an online online series on StarWarsKids.com and YouTube. Mm. I'll still watch it. I still got to watch, uh, uh, watch the other Galaxies one. of Adventure is the other yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I, I still got to watch it. it. I'm a sucker for it. I watched Forces of Destiny. Yes, I did watch See, I like, I did watch I it like because of my daughter, but it was yeah. entertaining. It was great. To me, I couldn't get into Galaxy Adventure because it was even shorter. And I was like, this is too short for me. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this is uh, it's Hideo Itoyanagi. We're just going to say Hideo for short. <laughs> is creating an animated retelling of Star Wars Force Awakens for Japan. Uh, or when he did, he gained a new hmm. fan. He gained Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy as a fan. How cool is that? Uh, in Hideo's short, he depicted the heroes and villains of The Force Awakens as BB-8 units, or BB units. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the shape of the ball of the ball droids. It was charming, it was adorable, and totally original, and Kennedy wanted more. Uh, according to Hideo, I met her in December 2017 when she came to Japan to promote Episode 8. On the spot, she asked me, will you create original shorts using your stylized take on Star Wars characters? I was surprised. With that, a new series of animated shorts was born. Uh, coming to Star Wars Kids, like Steven said, and to YouTube for, you know, YouTube.com forward slash Star Wars Kids, beginning Friday, August 9th, will be Star Wars Rollout. Created by Lucasfilm and Hideo, the shorts star fan-favorite heroes of a galaxy far, far away in a bright and vibrant style. Um, as Star Wars evolves with each passing year, it's important for us to find lighthearted and kid-friendly expressions of the franchise. Now, for me, I know we've had the Tsum Tsums. Could you imagine plushes of these characters? There's marketing right there. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's going to want to toy these things. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, sure. You see Porgs, right? Can I tell you someone who who's going to want those? Not me. Well, they've already got the Porgs. I don't, I don't see those being the biggest draw as like a little rolly ball Ray doll thing. <laughs> even even as cheesy as Chewbacca looks, I wouldn't mind the, the Chewy. Um, so uh, from J- James Wog, Lucasfilm's vice president of franchise and content and strategy. Uh, as Star Wars involves with each passing year, it's important for us to find new lighthearted, kid-friendly expressions of the franchise that will still carry the heart, soul, and adventure of its original form. One of the wonderful things about our Star Wars Kids channel is that we can experiment to see how far we could stretch the franchise to a new expression while still being totally rooted, recognizable, and authentic. How much have you guys seen Star Wars Kids website? Actually, actually, I've been paying attention to their YouTube channel because have you seen the videos where they do Star Wars by the numbers and they'll like count things in Star Wars? I did. I saw the one about the droids. 
Yeah, where they show every droid in all the films, and they show the names of my thinker. That yeah. type of droid, either type like, droid or a name. Holy crap! The videos are pretty cool. They did one for like every alien species, I think. Oh wow! I mean, they they've done some cool ones. I think for hmm. types of droids, there was what over a hundred types of droids seen across all all nine films, ten films. I'm like, really? <laughs> Holy cow. And with the two FX droids, I'm like, there was that much of a difference that they are two different models. I didn't realize that. Hmm. That was wild. Um, now, Kennedy has made it a point to seek out and collaborate with new talent wherever they may be in the world. Uh, rollout is a direct result of that mindset. Um, exploring unexpected fresh directions with new voices helps broaden our portfolio of talent, says James. Uh, Lucasfilm is a creative first house and always will be. To find those unique creators that can partner with us on many projects to come is something that is critical for the future of the franchise. Um, so uh, with Hideo, uh, he says, I wanted to come up with something never before seen in the Star Wars animation. I wanted to give everything a totally different look. Given that the characters are char caricatured, I decided to make the background simple with paper cutout silhouettes put on top of each other, like something you may see in a picture book. Hmm. So this is like Star Wars meets South Park. It sounds it like it definitely stands out. It looks different than anything we've seen before. Um, the camera motion is quite flat and might remind you of an old of old video games. I wanted to take a different route from 3D animation and recent video games. Looking at some of these pictures, I am so for it. I can certainly see the appeal for younger audiences and. I'm all for them coming out with more cartoons targeted for younger audience because I think sure. there needs to be more layering for that, you know? Yeah. I'll still take a look at it. I'll still watch them. Oh, yeah. Everybody can give it a try. I eh, probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have honesty right there. That, that's, that's what what have I always said before you came on with Weeby Geeks and even shortly after? Be honest. I mean, Mighty Marvel Geeks, we talked about Agent Shield. First season, oh, I was I loved the season I loved the show, but I was highly critical of it. I loved Last Jedi, but I'm highly critical of it. It's it's the only Star Wars movie that I, I could be critical about. I don't understand how you can say that. What? That that I love it but I could be critical? No, that it's the only Star Wars movie you can be critical about. Because I, I, I guess it's the one that yeah. I, I recognize as being the most vocal about about some of the stuff that the subplot really didn't make sense. But you can't criticize anything in the prequels, say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Revenge of the Sith. There's too many apartment scenes in the love story between Anakin and, and Padme. There's too much. This, this... Despite the fact that my favorite prequel is Attack of the Clones, and you guys have very adamantly said there's more love story there yep. than like, in Revenge second, of the Sith. For a second, I thought you were complaining that there's too many apartments in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> well, there's that, like, too. What's wrong with apartments? <laughs> <laughs> apartment scenes. <laughs> Well, if it took place outside, it would have been fine. You know? <laughs> um, lucky radio, too many apartments. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I, I do recognize there was a lot of love story in Revenge of the or in Attack of the Clones. Way too much. But for me, I thought it was more balanced out, and it and it and it was, it seemed to to me, my opinion, it. Flowed better with the rest of the story. Whereas I think with Revenge of the Sith, everything we got between Anakin and Padme, each time they got together, it's just repetition of what had already been said the previous time we saw the two of them together for the same scene. Yeah, it was the end of their relationship. Mm -hmm. She's about sure. to die. <laughs> it yeah, is not the time for character development. <laughs> so the po my point is, you said you could only criticize The Last Jedi. Oh, that's right. You can't touch Caravan of Courage. That movie's just great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That, that movie's not that canon. Whole different. Level. Oh, oh, canon now. It's got to be a canon movie. <laughs> no, no. I mean, okay. So Star maybe Wars, the Clone Wars had a movie. <laughs> Stinky the Hut. Let us not forget. He's not dead either. He's still out there. I want my yep. Stinky the Hut spinoff series. Maybe we'll see him in the uh, in the uh, that final season coming out. I want to see Kit Fisto show up in in Rise of Skywalker. Wait, 
nobody realizes is that the Obi-Wan series is him raising Stinky the Hut out in the desert. <laughs> Somebody's going to take care of him. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess let me reward it. It's Last Jedi is not the only film I could be critical about. It's the one I've been the most critical about. Is that better? Do you say so? <laughs> I'm not going to live this down. I think just okay. what it really comes down to, though, is you get like these kid cartoons, and there's really no point in being critical about them when you're an adult no, watching a no. kid's cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's kind of pointless. Yeah. See, that's what I liked about Forces of Destiny. It filled in like some of those gaps. Hey, Hera and Han knew each other, and they oh, actually and they actually had that. I didn't think about this. They actually I'm, had that well, bragging of, which is better, the Ghost or the Falcon? Of course, we know the Falcon's better. How long is it going to take for people to be like, is this show going to be canon? Look at them. They look like little bowling ball pins. This can't be canon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's going to be a whole thing about this. <laughs> could the show be canon? I think so. Story-wise. It's really going to stretch those. You, know, you got this certain certain group of people who are just like glued to everything has to fit in the box. Mm-hmm. And they've been told the box is canon, so everything has to fit in that box. They're going to have to stretch their imaginations a little when they see these bowling pins bouncing around each other. and There might not even be dialogue in the show. <laughs> True. Yeah, I'm getting that feeling. This seems like a great show for kids to enjoy. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a great one to watch these canon people watch and see their reactions and yeah. just laugh at them. <laughs> yeah. As their mind melts. I we're, don't understand. We're not laughing with you. We are laughing at you. Because <laughs> you can't let go. Because there's too many apartments. Um, so in Star Wars rollout, our heroes will often find themselves in grand Star Wars fashion and in great Lucasfilm tradition, facing a series of cascading problems. Like how many apartments do you deal with? Uh, in some early episodes that StarWars.com was privileged to see, Chewbacca must deal with some minor pork annoyances before a much bigger threat arrives. I want to know if we're going to see a, a Snoke bowling ball version here, because I want to see a BB-8 Snoke, and then somebody cuts his head off, so he's in two. <laughs> Just an inside joke. You know, somebody put his head back on, because it's not time for him to die yet, but got a little inside uh, joke in there. <laughs> um, to continue with Chewbacca, he, he has to calm his famous Wookiee temper and solve the issue, while coming to an understanding with his feathered friends and learning from them. In the end, it's sometimes strange, yet completely delightful storytelling loaded with heart. Speaking of Chewbacca and the poor have you all seen previews of the Lego Star Wars Advent Calendar? No, I haven't. One of the days you build a campfire. <laughs> Another one of the days you build Chewbacca holding a drumstick. <laughs> when that when when I showed Zoe that image, hey, here's a preview of what's coming. Guess who got hit across the back of the head? <laughs> Did you tell Lego to do that? No. <laughs> Maybe he's eating either, turkey leg, not pork. These are things we're thankful for, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I will say in that kit, they are going to have a, a uh, cloud car pilot. Looks darn good. It's a nice looking cloud car pilot. Mm. Um, now, Hideo um, quite liked the idea that all of these shores would be anchored by a theme, by a lesson. Uh, that was subtly expressed, even with all the wackiness, the episode and fun style, with all the wackiness of the episode and fun stylization. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have, I need to watch the trailer because I have not watched the trailer yet. I did. And I'm even less interested. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we know who's not going to be doing the reviews on the show. (laughs) Not without a fight. <laughs> no, it's a good it's it, it's a it's a good thing, and uh, you know, for those that are interested in it, it seems like it'd be good for kids. But for me, I'll pass. I against it, it's just not my thing. I have to have Zoe watch it and see how she. Well, she's very advanced for her age, so she she may or may not like it. I don't know. But I'll have her tell me where she thinks the target audience for the show will be, and, and I guess that'd be the best way to gauge what does a kid think this is the right age for for this to to be at. So now from Screen Rant, we got a interesting theory: the Sith troopers are Reven are Revens, Knights of the Old Republic army. Hmm. Um, could they be remnants of, of Revan's 
Carbonite Army, which could actually tie into the First Order, First Order's origins in the unknown regions of the galaxy. Uh, Lucasfilm has to reinduce specific parts of the Sith history from Legends into Star Wars canon because it's not the last installment. Because not only it's not only the last installment of the Star Wars of Skywalker saga, but it's the first sequel in the trilogy to include Sith. It's technically, Kylo's not Sith. Snoke's not right. Sith. Yeah, but I could totally see Kylo saying, now that Snoke's dead, I want to be Sith fanboy. Here's the Sith Club. I'm now the chairman, president of the new Sith Club. I need a Sith army. <laughs> Not only am I. Hi, I'm Kylo Ren. I mean, look at this guy. He's such a fanboy. At first, he starts out as a Darth Vader fanboy. Yep. But, you know, with Snoke gone, he can do whatever he wants. Father. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kylo Ren. Not only am I president of the Sith Club. I'm also a client. <laughs> um, it was revealed at the end of the first Rise of Skywalker trailer that Palpatine's coming back. Since he's been presumed dead for decades, thanks to the destruction of the second Death Star, as well as Vader tossing him down the hole, down the reactor. He go down the hole. Sorry, I'm doing a, a poor plucky duck impersonation from Animaniacs. He go down the hole. Um him returning to the fold is one of the most intriguing aspects of the rise of Skywalker. Uh, plus, it's also marked the first instance of Sith playing a prominent role in this particular trilogy. So it's no longer about the First Order just being the next stage of evil rule. So what do you guys think so far? I don't know. I kind, I'd kind of be okay not having any Sith in the Okay. Now, after Lucasfilm revealed... Uh, the First Order Sith Troopers prior to Stormtroopers being showcased at San Diego Comic-Con 2019. Uh, the Sith Troopers and their involvement have not been revealed yet. Uh, the armor is clearly an evolution of the standard First Order armor, and their weapon appears to be an enhanced version of the F-11D blaster, a rifle that the First Order uses. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I want I want the Nerf Revel version of that Stormtrooper rifle, <laughs> because the, the Nerf, uh, was it Nerf Rival Revel, shoots the Nerf balls instead of the darts? Oh, yeah. I, I, want, I want that gun. I want that one. <laughs> that is a cool-looking Nerf gun. Um... But there's more to them than just being an elite soldier in the First Order. Uh, what if their story goes back to the years of the Old Republic? It is possible because you know, we've heard there's slowly more and more evolution of the legend material coming canon. Because, you know, it has always been stated the EU was never canon, ever. Right. And even Lucas would pick and choose. What was that, Derek? Everybody should know that. It's not everyone accepts it. Mm. Even when George Lucas says himself, it's not canon. People are like, yeah, right. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Hello. (laughs) It's his universe, people. So uh, Sith Troopers first appeared in BioWare's Knights of the Old Republic video game on the planet of Taurus. Uh, And when the game was released, it was said to take place thousands of years before the Galactic Civil War, which was the events of the original Star Wars trilogy. Mm. Uh, and so it was in a time where there were really, where there were, where there was a full-fledged Sith Empire, uh, led by Revan and later Darth Malak, which those action figures were great in the vintage line. Uh, the Sith Troopers were the original soldiers of the Sith Empire. Uh, they also reappear in Knights of the Old Republic too, the Sith Lords, and then they vanished. That's it. Until they returned prior to the completion of the first Death Star, which I don't remember, I don't remember them well, if this is their first time in a movie, we wouldn't remember them in it. But I don't remember them in books either, returning yeah. prior to the completion. No. What, the Sith guys? The yeah. Sith troopers, they've, yeah. They've always been in the video games. <clears throat> okay. They've never really explored these things in books, comics, anything. It's solely been video games. Okay. So, um, some of the members of the Order of Revan were ultimately tasked with creating a infinite army, a battalion of cyborg-esque soldiers created by infusing Rakuten technology uh, with living beings so they could essentially never die, either through injury or time. But the development of this infinite army or of Sith Troopers was believed to have been halted. However, it's possible that they were created and did survive the Old Republic. Um, 
in the Forces of Corruption expansion in the video game Star Wars Empire War, the Night Sisters. Sillery decoded a Sith holocron obtained by Jabba the Hutt, which contained coordinates of an unknown system. Once she reached the planet, see, now I need to go back and play that game. Uh, she uncovered a Sith tomb filled with a Sith army that might have been frozen in carbonite. What's more, a Sith master was present among them, also frozen in carbonite. It has been long believed that the army was Revan's infinite army and the Sith master was Revan himself. So not only are we getting Palpatine returning, do we get Revan completely making full appearance into canon? Nah, I'm not buying that for a second. Yeah, me either. If they're going to bring back Revan, they'll let Benioff and Weiss do it. Mm. With the lost episodes of Clone Wars with Yoda, was that Malak or was that Revan that he runs into? That was Darth Bane. Darth Bane, okay. Yeah. The, uh, the, the third one. I'm sorry, I do get those confused of which one's which. So, I apologize. I'm not perfect. <clears throat> Bite your tongue. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> I have a great team for this show to make up for my weaknesses. And that's a good <laughs> thing. And I love you guys all for it. Um... Now, we have two to wrap us up. Um, I don't know how you would call this. From the Jedi Temple? Or uh, what would be the equivalent on a uh, on a starship, like a library? Or from the Temple Library? Or what would be like the starship library or computers? The dat- From the data pad? Would this type of thing be found on the data pad? Books? Stories? Yeah, I, I don't think they have a library on a ship. Okay. <laughs> It'd be... Pull anything you want from the database. Yeah, there we go. From the the database. Well, coming from the database, 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 I've been fully programmed. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Wrong franchise. Uh, Here's eight books and comics to expand your love of the Star Wars saga. Uh, First up, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace and Master and Apprentice. Um, Qui-Gon Jinn. And Obi-Wan may have have an easy back and forth in The Phantom Menace, but they, you know, of course, they tease each other like their family and give each other honest opinions and constructive criticisms, but it hasn't always been that way. They both had doubts about their roles as Master and Padawan, and you could discover this in Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice. Uh, The novel gives the relationship you see in the movie a deep history. It features intriguing information about the Jedi Order and Count Dooku as well. Now, have either one of you guys listened to uh, the Count Dooku audiobook, which I just yeah, found no. out came out in hardback? Nope, not yet. As well? You said you did, Steven. Yeah, yeah. What did you think of it? I really liked it. I thought it was cool. I loved it. And I, and I loved how it's it's the story of Dooku, but told through the perspective of Ventress. I was not expecting that twist. I really liked how it covered pretty much his entire life and you yeah. get to see when he was just a normal person who wasn't a bad guy and then you see that slide yeah and it's like wow <laughs> yeah well then we learn we get more on Sifo-Dyas as well yeah way more on him which that it was cool that stuff they explored there because uh, they didn't hold back and like exploring no. new things, checking out, adding new things to lore. I mean, now I want a Sifo-Dyas book because there's a lot of story there that's still not told. That could I don't be know, real that could interesting. Be really challenging because his mind got really addled at some point where you know he wasn't altogether there. He had to have somebody else keeping him focused. Yeah, yeah. but it, it could still be fun. Um, the but no, I I thoroughly enjoy, enjoyed it. Now that there's an actual book out, I'm curious to see the actual book. Read the actual. Well, book. now the the I, I didn't know the book was out yet, but it's well, just it's a manuscript. Out. It's just a manuscript for the audio dramas. All it is, so it's not going to be anything extra. You'll just be able to see like how things are spelled mostly, okay. and it'll, it'll help you process what they're saying too. I, I would love if it came... It's going to be a transcript, though, is what it is. I wish they laid it out more like like the radio script, like how the actors would have done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, so, I, I think that's how they're doing it. It's not going to be... Really? It's not going to be like they're going to add like the narration describing what's happening or whatever. It's, it's going to be like the script that they went off of. That would be great. I would love it. Because I have the script for uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for the radio show. And if this is going to be the same type of format, this would be awesome. I would love to have that. Um, And speaking of Dooku, have you noticed in the Galaxy's Edge comics, uh, I can't think of her name. She's the main main female character, the leader of the group, the smugglers group. Yeah, I don't remember any of their names. 
she's from Sedano, and apparently, I guess, from the main family. So apparently there's a relation of her to Dooku. I didn't catch that. Check out uh, this week's or this month's issue. Yeah, I don't think I got to that one yet, so that's probably why I didn't notice that yet. Sorry, I spoiled. <laughs> um, it's been a week, though. <laughs> Okay, I just I'm behind in my comics. Oh, no kidding. Uh, I am as well. Uh, the next book out uh, comes from the realm of Attack of the Clones. It's the Queen's Shadow. Uh, Padme Amidala ends her time as Naboo's queen and becomes a Republic senator. Uh, even though both roles serve the public, it's not a straightforward transition from royalty to committees and bills. Padme struggles to balance representing her home world and the greater galaxy. Get a glimpse of how Padme finds her path and her and how her handmaidens help help her. Uh, this book is by E.K. Johnson. Now, have you guys read these books? Master and Apprentice and Queen Shadow? Master no. and Apprentice is on my list. Queen Shadow uh, is not on my list, but it may have to be. Now, Queen Shadow's interesting in that it's a very different type of Star Wars story, but it takes a very deep dive into Padme and politics. But it's a very slow book. There is there's uh, like zero action. It's not there's not really any action in the book. But if you wanted to read more about Padme and understand about the politics and stuff, when and it's it's a fun little read. I enjoyed it. Uh, next up, from the realm, from the time period of Revenge of the Sith, about Star Wars, Darth Vader, Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, I believe this takes place right as we we see the scene cut with Vader going no. After we found out he killed Padme, um, I think I think this one was nicknamed at at uh, Celebration Orlando 2017. That this was nicknamed uh, Vader Year One. That's about right because it starts out from that scene where he's coming yep. off the table and talking to Palpatine, and then it ends uh, with his castle. Yeah, trying to get to Padme again. Uh, of course, this was written by Charles Soule, uh, which great. It was a great book. Yeah, it was. Uh, Anakin goes from powerful Sith Lord to limbless and clinging to life in Mustafar. Uh, within a day. It's a big adjustment and coming from writer Charles Soule and artist Giuseppe Carmicoli uh, picks up right where we left off at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Instantly provides key insight into Vader's vulnerabilities. Uh, Palpatine pushes the, the, the nascent Sith Lord's limits immediately and the comic illustrates more of Vader's early trials inside of the life support suit. Uh, then we have as part of the journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi but it leads into Star Wars New Hope is Star Wars Leia, Princess of Alderaan. Um, you know, I never realized that book had the Journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi label on there. And I'm trying to figure out why. Uh-huh. Did they end up going to the whatever that what was that stupid planet they went to at the end with the red sand? Uh, I think is that right? the tie-in? I think I think they go to crate in the book. I guess that was the tie-in. That might have been the tie-in. Um, of course, she's a re- you know, by the time we encounter Leia Organa in New Hope, she's a respected member of the Rebel Alliance, but she didn't earn the esteem of her peers overnight. Uh, Claudia Gray details how Leia learns about her parents' covert organization and uh, and puts herself at risk when because she wants to make a difference. Knowing more about her past and seeing her insistence to throw down her belief in the cause makes Leia all the more impressive on screen. And I think they do go to Crate because I think she helps start establish that base there, which is why they go back to it in the film. Uh, this is one I definitely want to get into because I did love the Republic Commando series, even though it's not canon, um, but it tied into the video game. Uh, coming from Empire Strikes Back, you got Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad. Every war has two sides, and uh, Christy Golden's Battlefront 2 Inferno Squad so- focuses on the Imperial perspective on the galactic conflict specifically on an elite team of soldiers called the Inferno Squad uh, formed in response to the Empire's defeat at the Battle of Yavin Inferno Squad exists to work against the rebellion through subterfuge the story illuminates Imperial operating procedures and takes you back into the minds of its soldiers before the events of Empire Strikes Back. Uh, it also includes remnants of Sagarera's partisans, illuminating some perspectives you may not have considered. Uh, to wrap up, after Return of the Jedi, you got Marvel Star Wars Shattered Empire, which that was a great run. And this is where we meet the parents of Poe Dameron. And it's their responsibility afterwards to take care of the last Force tree, which makes you wonder how much Poe Dameron may be Force-sensitive. 
I'm still disappointed we haven't seen this force tray again. <laughs> I am too. I really am. Why set up all this and not have it? Um, then from Force Awakens, uh, from Greg Ruka, you have Before the Awakening, uh, which highlights Ray, Finn, and Poe as they begin their journeys in completely different places before their paths converge. Um, and then for Last Jedi, you have Star Wars Cobalt Squadron. Um, now, go ahead. now, I've read all these books and all these comics, right? And I will say all of them are good picks except Cobalt Squadron. <laughs> I had such a hard time trying to get through that book. I I just did not like that book at all. And it's not because I don't like Rose. It's I didn't like that story or the way it was written. It was just ooh, it was rough. Wow. Did you guys make an attempt on that one? I have not. Yeah, I would I would just say skip. <laughs> all right. So those are the eight books that is recommended uh, to expand your love of the saga with the recommendation, skip Cobalt Squadron. Find a different <laughs> one from the journey journey to the Last Jedi to help with that or that's associated with Last Jedi. Uh, on that note, any final thoughts? Nope. I got nothing. Steven? Uh, you know, like I said, most of those are pretty good picks. You know, there's some pretty good books in there. I would have to say, though, I would probably, I mean, it's going to be a personal opinion, but I'd put Alphabet Squad over Inferno. Uh, I kind of like that one better. If you do that, I would also, as part of the compliment, add in TIE Fighter as well. Yeah, I'm behind on that comic. I got to catch up. I'm kind of curious where that one's going. Uh, I've first two books down, I got to read issue three. And I know the fourth one's out, I think. Yeah, I've that got three and out. four. I haven't opened them yet. Yeah. I, I still read four. Galaxy's Edge, I love to, but it doesn't fit within what they're trying to do with the saga. Um, trying to think. You know, that, that uh, what was it, Pirate's Price was the Hondo book, wasn't it? Have you guys yeah. tried that one? I got the audiobook version of it because the guy who voices Hondo voiced the audiobook. That was Jim Cummings, book. really? He did He did all the voices for it, and it was like, it was great because there's so much Hondo in the book, it works. And you just get like, you know, two, three hours of Hondo. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was a fun book. What's this one called again? I think it's Pirate's Price. And it ties in with the new movies because it shows how Hondo ends up with the Falcon and stuff. Well, he still could appear, considering Galaxy's Edge takes place between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, and he's there on Batu. How cool would it be if he did show up in... Episode 9? Yeah, with Jim Cummings like voicing him. Just like coming out of nowhere, killing a Sith trooper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Uh, other than that, any other final thoughts? Then there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jet, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain.